My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. You're listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. I come to you each week from the fantastic library bar in the spectacular historic Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. Today, I'm meeting writer and bookseller Christy Hayden. She strides into the hotel lobby. A floor-length, double-breasted, camel-haired coat blows back to reveal a bare midriff in ratty jeans. She wears nude heels. Her dark hair is cropped at her shoulders. Her face is angelic, but there is the slightest upturn of her lip marking her as devilish. She pauses to check her phone. Her fingers tap the screen to conjure me. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 Today my guest is Christy Hayden. Hayden has a master's in critical studies from the prestigious Maryland Institute College of Art and is the owner of Oof Books and Gallery here in L.A. I'm always excited to talk to another bookseller, so please welcome Christy Hayden. Welcome, Christy Hayden. Thank you for having me. It's a lovely, lovely room. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, the hotel is very cool. And if you hear snorting and snibbling in the background, like last week, Marlo, the shop dog, <laughs> is with us again. And she is sitting in my lap and uh, close to the microphone. So <laughs> it is not Christy who is snorting. It's okay. She's cuter anyway. <laughs> uh, nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> so um, you own Oof Books. I do. And I would love to know how all that came about. Like when did that start? How did you decide? Is it out of your collection? Yeah. Um, so Oof is actually my second project, a uh, ah. book project. My first was in Baltimore, Maryland. Ah, are you from there? I am not. I'm from Oregon. Ah. Uh, but I had gone to graduate Baltimore, school. Baltimore, Oregon. Not the same at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very polar opposite. But uh, both lovely places. So, yeah, I had gone to the Maryland Institute College of Art for graduate school. I did the critical studies program there because uh, I've always been a writer. Uh-huh. So for me, uh, art writing became a passion just in experiencing the art book fairs after having moved to California uh, after high school. Uh, so then, so then, while I was at MICA, um, basically I found out that they had a grant program for graduate students. So if you applied, you could get ten thousand dollars to do any sort of community grant. Um, so what we chose to do was called Bookish, and it was a van. Um, and this was in, this, in, mm -hmm. the, in, where were we? Baltimore. Baltimore, <laughs> Maryland. I was going to say Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Maryland. Yeah, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so basically, we ended up getting Grant, obviously, and we got this produce render van off of Craigslist. Uh, and we spent about half a year converting it into sort of like a gallery slash bookstore that we would drive around the periphery of the city. Right, right. And I mean, not 
unlike LA, but very distinctively Baltimore, uh, the cultural resources in that city are highly concentrated in the center. So the concept behind Bookish was always sort of to decentralize this sort of cultural yeah. resource and partner with local community organizations, um, which we did with various yeah community centers, etc. And that lasted probably about a year before... Did you drive the van? I or tried. It was scary. It was huge. It, it, was it a big school bus or what was it? It was like a really big like 1980s Chevy like utility van. Nice. Um, yeah, but you could... Who outfitted it? Did you build that? I did not. We tried. I learned how to weld. I'm not good at it by any means. I was like really scared. Sparks would fly and I would duck. Um. The worst part about welding is when they like if the thing gets stuck. Yeah. And then you lift the 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 visor up and yeah. you blast and you blind yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hate when that happens. I know. For me, I'm like I want to keep all of my fingers. Uh, so uh, yes, yeah, so we did that, and then we actually ended up hiring our friend Nick. Uh, to do the interior so he welded a window out and like put wood flooring wood walls uh, and then my collaborator ended up sort of patching and painting everything white and we put up shelving and it was really beautiful uh, unfortunately that ended up having actually kind of a tragic end wherein we put our friend in charge of it when we all moved away and he ended up passing away oh I'm sorry yeah, I mean, it took a very dramatic turn. Basically, really lovely programming space, and then he was kind of this, like, really radical character. So where did you drive these things to? To, like, uh, hmm. uh, underprivileged neighborhoods? Or what was in the book mobile? It Was it all art books? Yeah, so it was still all art books, but then, I mean, art books for me has always been such a liberal term, and I do mm -hmm. kind of like to play with it like there's art books and then you'll notice if you look at the descriptor of oof uh, we always say art books the art of the book exhibitions and programming and that's just because I've always been interested in this like liminal space between art and like the written word and I think books can play in that yeah so with bookish um, with bookish there was definitely a, <laughs> a lot of a lot of books that you would think of as art books, like monographs, catalogs, etc. But there was also theory. There was also just like artist-produced zines. Mm -hmm. um, a where, lot. Of, where would you park this? We parked it at this place called the Compound, mm -hmm. uh, which was owned by this guy Nick. That Sounds ominous. As it was, a co <laughs> but it's just a coffee house. No, 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 no. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just a coffee house. Uh, no, no, it was um, basically it was his like social practice space. Uh, huh. It was like a lot of artists living, but then they also had uh -huh. like an anarchist bookstore oh, wow. and a show space. And I think like um, at one point, bomb making facilities. Yeah, I can't remember the bands. Basically, all these big bands like had these studio recording spaces there oh. in like the Baltimore mm. arts, and which is pretty prolific. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, so we parked it there. And we did a lot of book fairs, which actually did also end up introducing me to a lot of the aspects of the art book world, which now I feel so embedded in. It's kind of funny thinking back on it. Um, but yeah, so that eventually led me to where I am now in the sense that being from Oregon, I miss the West Coast. Uh, I ended up moving back to Los Angeles where I had been living before graduate school. 
And while I was here, I was always kind of, I had it in mind that I was going to either bring the van back or start a new space. And I did love the van, but I always kind of felt like it was the type of thing that preceded the project itself. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't a bookstore, it was like the bookstore in the van. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, I, I, I played with a bookmobile idea mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> a friend of mine had a, has a, uh, a, a big caddy, like mm -hmm. a 1979 caddy. And so mm -hmm. I would pile a bunch of books in the back of that and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and lift the trunk. And it was sort mm -hmm. of like, it was a joke on the trunk sale and I'd mm -hmm. park it in the arts district. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, back in the day when you could find parking in the arts district. Well, no, I went too long ago. I mean, I would park illegally and then they would... They would oh. kick me out, and I just moved to someplace else illegally, and then they yeah. kicked me out. Got it, got it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. I think people do like it. Um, and actually, our mutual friend, JC, over at Hat and Beard, was really right. enthusiastic on the project when mm -hmm. I had it. And like, we've got to bring it out here, and it just... It wouldn't have made it across country. There was literally no way. <laughs> but I, I thought he was from Chicago, or did you? Oh, oh, you met him out when you were out here. I met him out said, here. Yeah. Told him about it, and he mm -hmm. said, "Hey, do it here." Yeah. Yeah, he was like, "We gotta get it out here. Can you drive it out here? How fast can you get it here?" We were like, "Well, the engine's really bad, and honestly, it's kind of scary to drive." <laughs> yeah, and yeah, cross country not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So we looked into how much it would be to ship, and it was so much, so it didn't sure. happen. Um, but yeah, with that sort of project, basically, we knew that Bookish wasn't going to make it. Plus, it was it was conceived as something that was meant to be in Baltimore, and I think it was meant to live its life there. Yeah. Um, so basically, then I was searching on Craigslist one day, actually, um, with my boyfriend at the time. He was an artist, and we were looking for these sort of like weird live workspaces where we could go be weird artists or whatever it was. Yeah. And I ended up finding the space that is now OOF. Uh, in like the commercial spaces on Craigslist and I just fell in love with it and I instantly conceptualized like everything that it was going to be it was like this little gallery space but then also bookstore space I didn't have in my mind exactly where everything was going to go so I ended up hiring these designers who were friends of mine they had both gone to like the Harvard GSD um, yeah. and they helped me design the space and like make it all nice and set up like a little gallery in the back bookstore in the front and then we also had a space for events out back up until recently <laughs> so that's how it came about um, and you've been at, and it's there now for a couple of years now already right it's been about two years yeah 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 it's been a while um, yeah I guess it'll be like my official two-year anniversary like next month mm -hmm. yeah congratulations I know I'll have to celebrate have some cheese in the store and we can cheers <laughs> 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 cheese makes it official. Yeah, I know. I can't do anything without cheese. <laughs> uh, why would you want to? <laughs> anyway. What's your favorite cheese? Ooh, tough call. I mean, you know, it depends on the mood. If I want to be fancy, I'll go brie. But if I'm oh. alone, I just go string. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, camembert or camembert. And then I'd like roll the R. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, are you still writing or what is your main thing mm -hmm. now? Yeah, I do still write. Uh, and actually, I'm trying to sort of dive back into it head first because I feel like, you know, Oof was like my firstborn and it got so much focus, even though it wasn't. It was my secondborn, but my first just me project. Um, 
so I felt like I kind of put the writing on hold. And also it did kind of fulfill this sort of like writing creative, like creativity need for me for a while, um, just in the sense that my writing practice is very referential. And I always felt that the curation of books and sort of art objects and letting them speak Re to one another. I'm sorry, did you say referential or reverential? Referential. Ref. With yes. An F. Ref with an F. <laughs> um, yes, I've always felt that my writing practice was very referential. So when I started OOF, it always kind of felt like an extension of my writing practice just because you could actually exist in this physical space that was so many different things and you could look at all of them and see how they sort of intersected uh, which is maybe overly divulgent because now you're going to walk in and think you're like inside my brain which is something I always <laughs> get a which little is, uncomfortable about. Which is about. very frightening. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Yeah. So, um, so what's behind the name? How did you come up with OOF? So OOF is an Edruche painting. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, which obviously for Los Angeles makes so much sense. Um, and again, that... Is that one of the gunpowder ones? Gunpowder ones? I don't think so. No, it's just, um, I mean, gunpowder ones. Wait, what was... I don't even know about that. Yeah, yeah, the, are they the ribbon paint? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Um, it's just, it's like a painted blue background and then just like... Oh, that. yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. yeah. My favorite is the bird with the the spilt milk thing but it's mm -hmm. there's it and it's a and the title is angry because it's plastered not milk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally i like that one i know he's so like his humor is so great yeah, yeah, yeah. it can either go totally over your head or if you love it you love it <laughs> oh, that's funny he would be honored to know that there's a bookstore named after him for you know being the book guy yeah yeah exactly or known for his books anyway well, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, if you look at sort of the layers of relevance of specifically an Ed Ruscha reference, um, it just kind of had to be. Also, for me personally, there's a personal tie wherein the Oof painting, I remember going to MoMA when I was a kid, and I think I even just saw it, like, in the gift store. But there was, like, a gift store postcard that had the Oof painting on it. And uh -huh. I was like, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> and it yeah, just really impacted me and kind of stuck with me to this day. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's great. And have you? Do you carry, or do you have the various small books? I have book. book? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great book. Mm -hmm. By the way, we're both booksellers, and <laughs> um, as you can surmise from this conversation, uh, and there's a wonderful book. I can't remember who published it, but it's called Various Small Books, and it's basically mm -hmm. a tribute to all the Ed, or to Ed Ruscha's book works. Mm -hmm. And they're by a number of really great artists that have made books based or inspired by. Mm -hmm. So um, you should look for it at oof or at agegeiger.com. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's really fun. Yeah. And so um, are you you're writing? Yeah. So I, yes, returning to your original question, I, I do art reviews, uh, uh -huh. art writing specifically. Uh, so I write for a contemporary art review, Los Angeles. Yes. Um, I also, when I lived in Baltimore, I was writing for Baltimore City Paper, which is now a defunct weekly magazine, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, going the way of quite a few recently. And yeah, I used to work at the San Francisco Chronicle when I was in college, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I also, I write for me personally. I am kind of working on 
I guess, my own means beyond just oof of pairing visual arts with writing. I'm just, you know, I'm too, I'm scared of my own voice, I think, sometimes. When you write, yeah. you can yeah. hide, you can hide behind what, um, oh gosh, I think it's in The Year of Magical Thinking, and basically there's this quote that goes something like, hiding behind an increasingly impenetrable polish, which is something I always think about in my own like art writing, because I think when you write very formally about something, it's really easy to hide your own inspiration. Yeah. Well, my favorite writer in that regard is mm -hmm. David Hickey, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he does the exact op opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and when I write, I do that. And, I, and I've submitted stuff to Carla, and they're like, no, no, it's too casual. And yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I do think they want a little bit of the formal tone. They do. They which do. Is well, great. That's, and good. So, are you looking to like teach or curate or I mean, you're curating in your own mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is great. And I looked at some of the artists, and they look fantastic. I got to get over there. Yeah, yeah. You have to come by the next show. Um, we just had a lovely show with two artists from New York, um, and it was a really interesting show for me particularly because it kind of focused on this idea of communication within collaboration between artists. Um, it's two women, one of them works primarily in like performance uh, on Instagram and then another one is a painter who had gone to Parsons and so one of them was doing drawings, the other one's writing and then they would go over each other's work and sort of create this original work which for them was dealing a lot in like self-exposure or like being vulnerable and such like that. That was a really great show. That's uh, Joe Rosenthal and Zoe Argyris. They're two really cool artists. And you, how did you find them? I have known Joe for a long time actually through the Independent Art Book Fair in New York, um, which I did as bookish um, maybe three years ago. And Joe had a space right next to me, she had a booth, and she was doing these zines for like whatever anyone could pay, like a dollar, twenty dollars, whatever you want. Everything <laughs> went to the women's shelter. Wow, and nice. I was like, oh, this is such a cool project. And it was all like sparkly pink with like all this candy all over it. And she was just like, this is so great. And I was like, who's this girl? She's super cool. <laughs> uh, and we struck up a conversation and she was like showing me her zines and they were so funny. One of them was like, these weird texts from men that were like trying to hit on her and it was just totally like <laughs> <laughs> exposing all of them being creeps. There was like one lady that came in one time and picked up this zine and was like, oh, that's my friend. That's really awkward for him. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> yeah. But true. But true. But true. true story. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of deals a lot in that. It's sort of, she likes Tracy Emin a lot and so I like to think of it as this sort of like really intimate, like, faux naive sort of sensibility, but she's doing it a little bit more in a contemporary way. Also, she is young, so she can kind of capitalize on that experience. Uh -huh. um, it's cool. I think her work is really, she's like very precocious and interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, so, and for OOF, I mean, I, I, not to bemoan the struggles of small independent bookstores mm -hmm. such as we are, but I was curious, and, and we, you know, I had uh, uh, JC from Hatton Beard mm -hmm. at my book fair, mm -hmm. um, and we talked about this, mm -hmm. and we was like, okay, what, well, you know, he has an interesting strategy as a publisher, right? And I was just curious, uh, you know, how, what your 
angle is in terms of getting the books sold? Yeah, um, well, we do a lot of events. Uh, as I had said, we do a lot of openings. We also do a lot of readings. We also do... We've done, like, little markets. We've done performances. Just everything. I mean, right. pretty much... If people come to me, I'm usually like, yes, I want to do your reading, or yes, I want to do your event. Um, I mean, there are a few things I definitely said no to that didn't quite fit with the space, but more often than not, if someone understands the space, I'm really open to right. what it is they want to do. How often do you program then? Do you um, frequently. Really, like, it's pretty much constant. I would say I'm, like, on my phone, emailing or texting about OOF, whenever I'm not doing something else or it's like it's just always a buzz in the back of my head um, which I think is also something that you have to do if you do have a small business specifically like a bookstore in 2019 it's like constant <laughs> right. hustle I know. it's a curse <laughs> yeah it's a curse no I know it's true and we, we were programming for a while and I was being more formal about it and mm -hmm. now and you're right I mean it's just got to be constant mm -hmm. especially like where we are I mean mm -hmm. I'm in Chinatown but you Cypress Park and uh, you know there isn't the foot traffic so you've got to create the traffic yeah, yeah yeah I mean and if it's not social media which is also white noise um, right. it's got to be something else and I do think that you know if you engage people they engage their friends and it becomes a network and if people are excited about it they want right. to get other people excited about it yeah the, the uh, one of the, the well the first guy I had on was Tosh Berman mm -hmm. Wallace Berman's kid mm -hmm. and he was uh, you know he ran book soup on sunset mm -hmm. for a long time mm -hmm. um, and he you know he told me he says, Michael it's all about community all mm -hmm. you've got to create a community because the uh, uh, you know your repeat customers are, are what's gonna happen and and, and they're gonna you know they will rely on you for your curatorial expertise mm -hmm. and so on, mm -hmm. and that's how you're going to differentiate it. But um, even with that, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, I know there's a million dollars to be made from a tiny storefront in Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I just haven't figured it out yet. But no, yeah. I mean, I, that's you know, we're obviously not in it for that. But no. But in, in, but even just to to. Yeah. to the lights on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did have a friend of mine teaches at Chapman University and this past weekend he brought a class of university students in and I guess I didn't realize this at the time but he had geared them beforehand to ask the hard questions. Oh, <laughs> such as? Uh, so one girl just like, you know, stares me straight in the face and goes, so do you make money and how much? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I don't I don't really, I don't do it for the money. That's, yeah. I wouldn't open a bookstore if I watched me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know, but what don't you understand about running your business as a community service? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, pretty much. I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of a curse. It's something you love. And when you find it, it just kind of takes over. What else can you do? Right. So you are behind Acid Free, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So tell me about that and what's happening this year with that. Yeah, so Acid Free is a book fair. Yes, that thank you. <laughs> Acid Free is a book fair. It's also a publishing collective. We're multifaceted. Uh -huh. uh, so we, we forged Acid Free last year in the interim between LA Art Book Fairs. Um, 
obviously with the unfortunate passing at Printed Matter, there was a space to be filled, um, and I think a lot of people were really sympathetic to that. There were certainly a lot of book fairs that cropped up last year. Um, but basically, Acid Free is myself, uh, also Hat and Beard, also Norm Studio, also Blum and Poe, Gagosian, um, and Jeff Kansari. Uh, new documents, uh, ex-artist books, um, and a few others as well. So we're a rotating cast, just depending on who can make the meeting. Uh, so, we started meeting about every week last year just to arrange the event. Um, event went really well. It was at Blum and Poe. Yeah, I went to that, actually. Yeah. Bought, I bought a few things from there for the store. Actually, I have them still. Oh, great. I got the uh, uh, Black Flag Anarchist oh, magazine. Yeah. Super cool. I like Black Flag. <laughs> well, not the band. It's the, as oh, you know. Yes. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the actual anarchist mm -hmm, mm -hmm. publication from the late 60s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they were, like, they're basically zines, but they're, mm -hmm. they're very, very few of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. Where did you get that from? Which group? You know, I honestly don't remember. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. But Acid Free is an awesome, awesome uh, fair. And yeah. is it coming up? Are you doing it again or what? Yeah, so this year we're doing it in November. Um, just because LA Art Book Fair is back. Right. Yeah. Well, my book fair is in October. Oh, yeah. And I want you to be there. Yeah, I would love to. That sounds wonderful. Um, I'm definitely in. But, yeah, so I'm excited for LA Art Book Fair. I'm excited for Acid Free. I'm excited for your book fair. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a funny thing about the books. I You know, the book fairs are great, and, um, and there's such a... I, you know, it's inspiring to see how many people really turn out for that, and that mm -hmm. I, I think there's a real need for people to like hold something, you know, Definitely. like but you know, one, well, two things. One is uh, I think they appreciate our curatorial expertise, if mm -hmm. I may be so bold, mm -hmm. and the other is that there's something tactile and something mm -hmm. actually, you know, historical about it, or you know. Uh, even if it's a zine, oh, yeah. right? And it's not necessarily historical, but there's something uh, poignant about it, and mm -hmm. uh, and it's you know, and it's fun to be part of that community. So. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we're not going to be you know, you know, we're not going to be driving Maseratis because of it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you find something you love, I think that's more rewarding than a Maserati, <laughs> um, personally. But, yeah, I mean, do you keep up with, like, all these articles that are coming out constantly about the state of books, specifically art books, and, like, the market? Is it growing? Is it viable? Such I like don't. That. I can't. I, I uh, no, I don't. I, I mean, because we're living it. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing everything we do, right? We're doing the social media. I'm doing yeah. this podcast. We're doing, you know, yeah. trying to, trying to it's all about the community building as Tosh advised mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, so in terms of whether it's you know rumors of its death are greatly exaggerated or not I don't yeah. know yeah I mean the thing that was interesting to me this year is that supposedly the art book market is growing uh, I, 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 don't, I don't find that surprising actually yeah I mean I think you know with the the glut of, of 
or the cacophony, I should say, mm -hmm. of social media. I mean, and all other media. Mm -hmm. It's great to just like unplug and mm -hmm. hold a book. Mm -hmm. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. I know we're preaching to the choir, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's very true. And I mean, I don't know. I keep up specifically with the art book market. I'm not sure about like printed matter or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. literary publishing. Um, who knows? I mean, Kindle's still out there. You still have your iPads, your whatnot. And I, I think, I, you know, I don't have either of those things. I, um, I prefer to read the newspaper with my arms spread. Yeah. <laughs> it's so challenging. <laughs> <laughs> or at least fold it over. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, the reason we're here, I guess, or the reason we're both into it is because I there is something I think more satisfying mm -hmm. to holding a physical thing and that that was Marlo shaking if you heard <laughs> and see. snorting <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um, yeah I mean I agree with that and I do think you know specifically with an art book it's an object it's an art object and you and I both traverse in rare books something that's special and I think people you know, there's talk about like the aura in art, like an original art piece has an aura. Um, that's like a Walter Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. I got the reference, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for those listening at home. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. But yeah, no, 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 that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so like with an art piece that has an aura, and I think there are books that carry that as well. I think like when you have something really special and you know it's really special, like we've had really really amazing like signed works we've had really amazing just like old things that you know have lived so many lives and an interesting portion of like what I do at my bookstore is actually go through libraries of individuals in the art world um, that have had that experience and so their collection is so curated to them and so I feel like that sort of conveys into the store into the buyer um, yeah no that's true yeah. Uh, 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 do you know Lawrence McGilvray? No. He is uh, an old bookseller from mm -hmm. the super old school. Mm -hmm. And he had a store in La Jolla. And La Jolla used to be, uh, there was a street where there were books, and, and he had an art bookstore there called McGilvray Books. Mm -hmm. And he um, was quite the scholar, but he. he um, he doesn't have the store anymore, but he still has a, m a massive collection mm -hmm. that is like, he's the ultimate bookworm. Mm -hmm. You go into his place and literally there are books towering over you, like tilting over, mm -hmm. and you've got to go through these archives. Mm -hmm. But what's amazing is the way he's cataloged everything. Everything's mm -hmm. perfectly cataloged, and when you go through it, and it's by appointment obviously, but... Um, he insists that he's like, please put it back in the exact. So anyway, I got I, I got I got contacted by someone who had a really great book collection, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, they said, would you come and appraise it? And mm. I said, well, you know, I know from I'm pretty good at like from 1955, mm -hmm. but you've got stuff a little before that. Mm -hmm. Let me call Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And so Lawrence and I went over, you know, went to see this 
thing. And um, and Lawrence, of course, went in and like said, "Oh well, no, we got to do it like this. We got to yeah. like that." And yeah. like, like Lawrence, <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Oh, no. <laughs> she just wants to know oh, no. <laughs> a basic value. We're not doing a you know a complete yeah. appraisal. Yeah. And so I had to kind of like pull them away. But then uh, the point I was going to make is the person's collection was uh, such that she was you know going to uh, and still may uh, mm -hmm. donate to Yale. Oh wow! And what was unfortunate is because it's all California stuff. I'm like, oh, oh. no. And uh, but it was her mother. It was her mother's collection, uh, who was a bookstore yeah. owner in Venice for a long time. Hmm. And um, anyway, she was like, well, you know, what are the pieces that are, you know, she's like, well, I can give it all away, or are there pieces that are like super worth me keeping? And um, I told her, I said, well, you know, the, 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 the real value in the collection is that it's all together. Right. Because it's been, you know, there's notes from the artists and right. catalogs from these times. And like, you know, one or two of these pieces are rare, or well, several of them are very rare. But, um, yeah. but alone, they didn't, you know, they're not worth a lot of money. And, but the value, and that's why Yale wants it, is because right. it's an amazing picture of a particular period in Southern California from mm. 55 to, well, actually earlier, but to like the 70s. No, I think that actually does bring up a good point. I mean, also being in California and talking about Ed Ruscha and such, like I went to graduate school on the East Coast, and I don't think there's much of like, the California canon in like an East Coast arts education and so that is that is intriguing to me that it could then be transplanted like I think a lot of what you get is the New York school when you're oh right there. yeah for sure yeah well, yes yes absolutely yeah yeah so I think that brings up a good point it is kind of a dichotomy and we do kind of want to keep it to ourselves but California is certainly getting more recognized it's getting bigger like our reach is getting further obviously people are interested I think that's great yeah, well, I think it was because she, her mom went to Yale, and so yeah, she was just yeah. going to do that. It wasn't so like, she wasn't going to say like, oh, well, look, yeah. see, we have, we were cooler. See, we were cooler. <laughs> well, people will figure out one day. <laughs> they will know. <laughs> so whereabouts in Oregon? Did you, were you born in Oregon or in, Bar mm -hmm. in Baltimore? I was born in Oregon. Um, I was born in Salem, Oregon. Oh wow! I was going to say Bend. I don't know why, I was guessing. Yeah, Bend is cool, but yeah, just outside of Portland. I get a lot of questions about like witches, witches and stuff, and I have to remind people of Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, no, witches. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, there's no witches in Salem, Oregon. We were a little late to that game. So how did you get across country for school? Um, basically, this is actually kind of fortuitous, I suppose. Um, I, well, I went to undergrad at University of San Francisco. Uh, I did journalism, like I said, I was at the Chronicle for a bit, and then ended up moving down to Los Angeles just because I had a lot of friends that were from here, and I was working at a boutique in Silver Lake, and I was like, you know, being from Oregon, living in California for however long, I was very into like vibes and like the way of the world and like the world taking you, I don't know. Anyway, so one day this woman comes in and we're talking and she is like, 
discussing some like piece of jewelry or something and I was discussing it back she's like you have a really great design sense um, did you go to art school and I was like no I'm a journalist I'm a writer like I've always sort of been in this world but like I'm very intrigued by like design and art history I just don't really know the jargon and I would like love to be immersed in that she's like oh well I'm the vice provost in the graduate school at MICA mm-hmm. have you like considered grad school and I was like Oh yeah, like it's something I definitely thought about. And she's like, okay, well you should email me. You're a writer. We have a really good program for you. Uh, we'll make it happen. Perfect. Yeah. So it's sort of fallen into my lap, but also you know, Micah is the oldest art school in the country. It's yeah. highly respected. Yeah. Um, it worked out perfectly. And Baltimore is cool. I like Baltimore. Baltimore's really cool. Baltimore has a really blossoming art scene. I feel like... I know a lot of people that have recently moved from Baltimore to Los Angeles. Um, just because there is sort of a similar... Not like gritty sensibility, but like reuse of space and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. community. People that are really interested in like making art for art's sake. Yeah. Well, Baltimore's been troubled. Yeah. 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 And I also feel like saying art for art's sake is like a loaded phrase. There's also art for social purposes. We had Nancy Baker Cahill on last week. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, doing the right thing, being engaged. All right. So what's up next for you? What is up next for us? Oh, this is very exciting. Um, we're delving, obviously, into printing, as, as you uh, know. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we... She was in the shop printing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. So that was how we sort of, like, came together to make this whole podcast happen. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're working on doing some edition screen prints with uh, an artist, Grant Le- Levy Lucero. Grant Levy Lucero who shows at Night Gallery, uh, and he typically does ceramic pots, large-scale ceramic pots, um, so we're translating that into print, so taking something that's very dimensional oh, wow. and making it flat, but still interesting and still very stylistic. Um, yeah, so that When's is... that going to happen? That's launching at the book fair, the LA Art Book Fair. Ah, oh, nice. mm-hmm. So in September? April. Or, oh. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, the spring yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, the printed matter earlier. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's coming up very soon. So we've never... Are you, are you printing them in the shop? Mm-hmm. Oh, you are? Great. Yeah, yeah, I'm printing them in the shop. Um, I also did a bit of printing in graduate school, actually extensively. So that's something I've always been interested in. Uh, so that's fun. That's like... Oof is sort of stepping outside of its just bookstore state and like events yeah, yeah, yeah. state and becoming also not a publishing imprint but like a print imprint. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's really exciting, um, and that's something I've always wanted for the store. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and then you know just all the book fair circuits, I guess. That's. I feel like the meat of the year is spent doing the book fair circuit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> she's You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the spectacular Mayfair Hotel and the artist and music management company Regime72. Check us out, mayfairla.com, regime72.com, 
and of course, aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.